you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I want to jump into a different passage of scripture that was written two years prior to the voyage we just read about by the same man. His name is Paul, one of the chief writers of the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. And he writes this passage, just one verse, and it's written for people just like you and me who have struggles in the journey of life that we're in. It's found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I want to unpack this today. So Track with me. If you have your notes, you can follow along. The scripture will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But check this out. He says this in Romans chapter 15. It's just one verse. Two years prior to the voyage that he was on, he says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in, say that with me, hope. May the God of hope Fill you with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Can we break that down for just a few moments? Just a few moments. If you don't want to, you don't have an option because I'm preaching. So look at that first part of the verse. The first part says, may the God of hope. Isn't it interesting that Paul felt he should identify what, what part of God he's talking about? So we serve a multidimensional God. And if you're here and you're not sure what you believe, can I just give you permission to be, belong before you believe? But if you're here today and you say, man, you know, I've given my life or I am a Christ follower, then really Paul's talking to you specifically. And he says, may the God of hope. So he's reminding us who God is. And God that we serve is a multidimensional, multifaceted God. But you get that, right? So I have Megan. She is my wife. And she's Megan the mom, right? She's Megan the pastor, yeah, that's okay at our church, isn't that fun? She's Megan the bad mamma jamma, that's like the chief title, like right there. She's Megan the chef, she's Megan the wife, she's Megan the romantic, can, y'all, can I get an amen? Yes, yes she is. She's got many facets to her and she's flossing in all of them at all times, yes. I have many facets, I have Carrie the good looking, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Carrie the semi-pro golfer, that's the dreams, but still, you know, it's right here somewhere. And, right, many facets, and there's many facets to who God is. And so Paul's writing believers, and he says, hey, the God of hope. Apparently Paul felt it was important that we know that God is a God of hope. You see, there's many facets to God. Do you know God is a jealous God as well? We read that in Scripture. You know what that means? It means that he wants our best and our first. You know, sometimes I think we just kind of give God our 16th kind of go through the week it's been a stressful time and man it's the holidays so I, I got work I've got family and then I've got my wife's family and they got a portion of me and I didn't even want to give them but it's here and now it's just Sunday I just want to sit and watch the ticker on my phone and see how the sport teams are doing right God just kind of gets the 16 but he's a jealous God he wants our best yeah. and our firsts there's enough left over for everybody else, but God, he wants our best. The Bible also said he's a God of grace. That's a good thing, and that means this, and this is kind of my life story and, and really my hope for you that no matter your story, 
no matter your past, no matter your belief, you are loved. That's what the God of grace means. The Bible also says he's a God of conviction. And that isn't, that's not condemnation. A lot of times we see God like he's just waiting to just for us to mess up so he can just kind of beat us down and just remind us of the failures. No, no, no. The God of conviction just means that he is simply reminding us along the way, hey, wait, wait, don't go there. Don't do that. Hey, that's not the best decision for you today. I've got better for you. Why don't you hold off on that? Now Paul is saying he's the God of hope. The God of hope. You know what that means? That tomorrow is brand new. It's brand new. I feel like Annie had it right. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow. Cast away your worries and your sorrows. Come what may. Come on, sing with me. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're only a day away. Give yourself a round. Holy cow. Jeremy just listened to your auditions, and all of you cannot sing on this stage. I'm so sorry. The God of hope. The God of hope. And maybe that's what 2017 is for you, that there's hope. The passage goes on. It says, may the God of hope, look at this, fill you with joy and peace. Fill you with joy and peace. And you know what is important to note here? What, what Paul is saying is that joy and peace are the result of hope. Yeah. Joy and peace are the result of hope, not the other way around. I think this is where we miss it sometimes. You see, we, we, we think that if I can conjure up enough joy, if I can conjure up enough peace, then I will experience hope. You see, what we've done so well, and not you, I'm talking about your neighbor, but what we've done, what they've done so well, is they've found a way to put everything, their faith or their belief, in joy, or in peace, or even worse, in feelings. And then Monday comes, and I don't feel joy. I don't feel peace. Or maybe life happens and you experience the letdown or the heartbreak that comes so often in relationships. There's no peace here anymore. Or maybe your faith or belief was in the feeling that you had so when you feel good, it feels like God is there. But what do you do when you feel bad or bummed or frustrated? And Paul is saying, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. Joy and peace are the result of hope. You see what the opposite of joy and peace is depression and unrest. Do you know that we have the highest statistics of people experiencing depression in the United States of all time? And I think it's because we've worked so hard to place our joy and our peace and our faith in our feelings, in the external. And when the external lets us down, or when we don't feel the way that we want to, I find myself discouraged, depleted, maybe even depressed. I don't even understand the concept of peace anymore. All I know is chaos. And then now I'm fighting to find peace and joy. 
but I'm fighting the same battles and I'm looking in the same places which inevitably lead me right back here again. You ever have, anybody, anybody in here have kids? Raise your hand. If you don't have kids, you were a kid so you can identify with this. My kids lose stuff all the time. Thank you, Apple TV, for making the smallest remote possible. It's like this big. They made it so that you, like, curse the day that Apple invented it. And that thing can never stay found. It's always lost. My daughter comes in, hey, can I watch TV out here? No, I don't want to watch that show. Go in your room and watch it. I can't find the remote. So she goes, let's go look for it. She walks in her room. She lifts up a sock. I can't find it anywhere. (laughs) Gone. Meanwhile, there's 752,000 stuffed animals just to the left of her bed. That's a real number, people. You get lost in that business. She didn't think to look there. But under one sock, right? And that's kind of how we do with life when our faith and our belief is in the external, it's in the feelings, and then we can't feel it anymore, and we start looking in all kinds of things that can change, like occupation, in relationships, in financial stability, in economy. And then I can't find it, and oh my goodness, it's not here anymore. Maybe God isn't at work in my life anymore. No, no, you've just been putting your faith in something that actually changes that lets us down. That's why Paul said, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. And what he didn't say is, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace, period. Look at this. And I think, I I almost missed this. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So not just that you can feel joy and feel peace. No, he said, you need to have joy and peace in the process of believing. It's as if he knew we would struggle with faith. It's as if he knew we would struggle with our belief. You know what this word belief means? I, I think I've got it on the notes. I'm not sure if the screen is working or not, but it says this. The conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. Have you ever wavered in that faith? Look at this. This is the one definition. It says it's the conviction of truth of anything or a belief to be of a conviction or belief pertaining to my relationship to God. So when Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing, he's saying, you're going to struggle along the way in believing. And I'm praying that as you are pursuing hope, God fills you with joy and peace. The word belief here, now remember, the Bible was written in Greek, not in English. So they translate from Greek to English. And when you look at the word in Greek for believe, the root word of that is pytho. I know many of you are Greek scholars, and maybe you don't care about this, and it may not matter, but the root word of the word belief here means to persuade. To persuade. See, Paul knew that you and I would face an enemy that makes it difficult to believe. Can I just, can we be honest and transparent? Anybody in here ever struggled in your faith in God or belief? Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Me too. Paul knew we'd struggle with this. 
He knew that we would struggle with the idea or the notion that God is who he says he is. He knew that we would struggle with the idea that God can do what he says that he can do. He, in fact, he knew that the enemy that we face would do everything in his power to persuade us to believe in anything else but God. I like the notion and the idea of God, but to put my faith in him, that's for weak people. I'll stay strong, make good decisions, and be a good person, and flirt with the whole God concept a couple hours a week if my wife makes me. He knew we would struggle with this thing. So my question for you today is, what is it that you are believing in today? Where is your faith today? Now, I'm not talking to your neighbor now, I'm talking to you. Where is your faith today? What are you believing in today? Is it feelings? Is it feelings? Is it finances? So we all know those are always airtight. Government? Nobody is right now. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Is it an experience? The wisdom that you have attained over the course of the last few years or decades? What's your belief in? Is it in your accomplishments, the things that you have accomplished and achieved in your life? Perhaps your occupation? Been here for 25 years or just graduated college and I know that the degree path that I was on is going to be open and to so many options I won't know how to say yes to. Maybe it's your influence or just people. What is your belief in today? What is it in? What's your faith in? Here's the challenge, and I think this is what Paul is saying for you and for me, that our belief, our faith can only be in God's word. Our belief and our faith can only be in God's word because that, my friends, is what never changes. Now, I'm, I'm kind of an idealist. I'm definitely a loyalist. That's why I've been a Cowboys fan my whole life, even with 20 years of a depression. But there's one thing that has remained true in my life that I actually believe from the bottom of my heart, the core of who I am, that the Bible is not just a good book with great stories. I actually believe that it's God's word for you and me today. And that, my friends, is what never changes. I say this all the time because it means so much to me that the Bible... It's the only book that you can read. And the author leans in and says, I wrote that for you. His word never changes. The Bible says that his words never return void. The Bible says that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. I love what this passage of scripture says. I don't know if they've got it on the screen yet or not. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29 in the NIV, it says this, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, we don't use that term, but what he's saying is come alongside. I'll hold you up no matter what you're walking through. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and look at this. You will find rest for your souls. He's saying that no matter what you're walking through, I can handle it. That's God's word for you. It doesn't change. 
Isaiah 40, 29 says this. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases their strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Those that wait upon the Lord, those that say, wait, God, I'm not making a decision. I'm not moving until you tell me it's time. I'll run and not grow weary. I love what Philippians 4, 19 says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory, which just means he can handle the financial catastrophes. And the good times. I like what Romans 8 says. Romans 8, 37 through 39, it says this. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, and this might be the message, the verse for you this year. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you. Now we find Paul on this vessel 14 days and nights. A storm so bad that the sailors were tossing all of the cargo immediately, just assuming they're heading towards their demise. The Bible says that for 14 days they neither saw sun nor stars, just darkness. Have you ever experienced that in life? They're at a place where they have given up all hope. But Paul comes back on the scene, and he begins to spread hope. Acts 27, verse 22 to 25, it says, Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. I wonder how many of us have put our faith in the ship that we're sailing on. Paul's reminding them that even the vessel that we depend on, it's going to be lost, but God is still in control. For this very night, there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. He's reaffirming in them who it is that he serves. He said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. In other words, I still have plans for you. I'm not finished with you yet. Maybe that's the message for you this year. That God is not done telling your story yet. You'll still stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart. I love this passage. For I have faith in God. That it will be exactly as I have been told. Not faith in a feeling. Not faith in a ship. And not faith in the captain, not faith in the skills of the men around him, but faith in God. That it will be exactly as I have been told. What are you believing for this year? 
What are you believing for this year? What are the things that you want to see God do in your life this year? Have you already given up on the notion that God cares desperately and wants to do big things in your life? Has the mundane or the mediocre of life become the summation of where your faith lies? What are you believing God to do in your life? What is the expectation on the inside? Why do we struggle with this so much? Why do we struggle with great expectation, great faith, and great belief in a great God? Hey, let me ask you another question. What area of your life do you want, or maybe even more, desperately need God to do something? Now, it's easy to not have faith. It's easy not to believe. It takes no work. In fact, you don't have to change anything. Having faith doesn't mean that life will be a failure. What is it you're expecting God to do in your life this year? We're going to take a moment, in fact, the last few moments of our service today, and you get to be a part of an amazing process we call Believe Sunday. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to write down the things that you're believing God is going to do. Nobody's going to see it but you. You put your email on there, we're going to walk you through that process, but nobody sees it. And our team is going to be praying for those things on your list over the entire year. And in November, right before Thanksgiving, we'll mail them back to you. Email them, not snail mail. And you'll be reminded of what it is that God has done. You see, sometimes we feel like God's not moving because we haven't been taking notice. So here's what I want you to do right now. They're going to put a slide up on the screen, I believe. And you're going to text the word BELIEVE to the number right here. 949-267. Everybody grab your phone. It's okay. Text the word BELIEVE. and do One per person, not per household. It's going to send you a form. And you're going to fill out your information. Here's what the three things we're going to ask you for. It's your name, your email, and your cell phone. That's so we can text back information. We're not selling any of your stuff, I promise. We won't follow up with anything else. We're just going to send you an email at the end of the year. And here's what I want to challenge you. Before you fill it out, I'm going to give you a moment. So before you fill it out, if you've sent that word, believe. It'll send back. It may take a couple minutes because there's about 4,000 of you in here right now. <laughs> here's what I want to challenge you. God is not a genie in a bottle. So we're not just chalking up one to the big guy. But we're actually having an expectation of God who believes desperately in you and wants great things for you. This isn't about goals. This is about God. So we're not talking about, I want to lose weight. God, help me lose weight. And that's great. I'm just saying, what are the things you're expecting God to do in your life? And here's what I'm going to ask you for is, I'm going to ask you for nine things. You may only be able to write four, that's fine. The top nine things you're expecting God to do. I'm going to give you a chance to fill it out, don't worry. And then at the end, this one's going to be a challenge. Everybody look at me for a moment. I'm going to ask you to write down that one thing. That one thing that you're actually a little bit scared to write down. That one thing that maybe needs a supernatural miracle. 
or it seems so big that if it doesn't come to pass this year, I don't know what I'll do. Or maybe it's that one thing that you've already given up hope with. And here's what I'm going to challenge you. I don't know what God will do. But I know what will happen in your life if you challenge your faith. So what are your top nine? You can go ahead and fill it out right now. This is a perfect time. The top nine things that you're believing for. Perhaps some of you in this room are are believing and praying desperately for a child. Maybe you've been praying for years or months. Maybe you've spent a lot of money trying to make it happen, and for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened, and you're at the point that every month it's another reminder you don't have a child. I want to challenge you. Write that down. Maybe you're in the, the, the middle of a financial crisis, and you need to experience some financial freedom. Maybe it's a new business that you're believing for that you want to start this year and see God do something miraculous. You've dreamt about it. You've talked about it. Maybe this is the year to start it. Maybe you need to pray for God's wisdom. Maybe you're praying for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Last year, Shana was. Boom. (laughs) Settle down, Josh. Maybe it's Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Maybe it's that promotion. Or maybe some of you are here, you're just like, man, you know what? I'm into this stuff, and I I believe what you're saying, but I just don't know if I understand what my purpose is. I'm not sure what direction to run with my life. Or maybe some of you are here, and you are facing a physical crisis right now. Maybe it's a diagnosis that the doctor has given you, and it's overwhelming, and feels overwhelming. So maybe it's believing for healing. Or maybe it's for the faith of a family member. Somebody that you've been praying that God would radically get a hold of their life. Or a friend. What is it that you're praying for? What is it that you're praying for? And what's that one impossible thing? One thing you're a little bit afraid to ask God for. You've given up hope on. It may take a moment to think through it. Maybe you're even struggling with just writing. You've prayed for so long. If you've already given up hope, then it doesn't hurt you to write it down. Let me and our prayer team and some other people have faith for you. Sometimes that's what this journey is about is not just being alone in the process, but realize there's other people who have faith to believe with you. Take a moment and fill that out. and Let's see what God's going to do. Our worship team is going to sing for a moment. You keep writing and I'll come back and kind of coach you through what's next. But don't, just take a moment, let's fill this thing out.
chose this song because I believe that for some of us today we need to be reminded that today is a brand new day a new season a new chapter and if you were ever going to pick a time or a moment to reestablish or reconfirm hope in anything then today's the day to do that and to establish your hope and who God is, who He says He is, and that He can do what He says He can do. What I love about this passage of Scripture, Paul always comes back. Remember in Romans 13, two years prior to this shipwreck scenario. And, and I, I, the great news is that, that Paul and all the sailors in that boat were saved. And God continued to do amazing things through Paul's life. But he writes this in Romans 15, 13. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope that you may abound in hope so that in all circumstances in the darkest season of your life the greatest moments of your life hope may abound when you're discouraged that hope may abound when you're depressed, then hope may abound. When you're facing crisis, then hope may abound. When the doctor says that you only have a certain amount of time to live, that hope may abound. When you feel like your marriage is over, that hope may abound. When you have fragmented relationships all around you, that hope may abound. That's what Paul is saying here. And that, my friends, is not just a word written thousands of years ago so we can dismiss it it's God's word for you today, for 2017. Do you know what the word hope means? I love this. It's the absolute expectation that good is on the way. The absolute expectation that good is on the way. I believe that God wants to do something amazing in your life. And I want to challenge you to journey with us over the next few weeks and months as we pray together, believing that God's gonna do something miraculous. And I believe and I know that he will. Can I pray for us today? How many of you, just for a moment, by show of hands, say, you know what, I could use a little more hope in 2017. Would you put your hands up? All right, thank you so much. Let's pray, I wanna pray for all of us. God, we thank you that you are in the business of giving hope. We thank you, God, that our faith is not in our circumstances, nor our feelings, not our government, not our economy, but our faith and our belief is in you. The author and the finisher of hope. So God, strengthen us today as we journey into 2017. For those of us that are struggling with our belief and our faith and our hope, let today be a reminder that you're not struggling but you're still at work in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Hey, look at me for one moment, just a few more minutes in our service, but I want to take just a few minutes to talk to those of you who are here today that maybe you're wavering in your faith. 
and who God is and what He wants to do in your life, the greatest decision that you can make is not to be perfect, it's not to eradicate your past, but it's simply to make a decision to say yes to Jesus. See, God desperately wants to be in a relationship with each of us, but there is a starting point. It's not osmosis. It's not thinking good thoughts. It's not church membership. It's simply saying yes to Jesus. And you might say, you don't understand. My past is so bad. If you knew, you probably wouldn't let you into your church. And I want to just tell you that God knows our past. And he still loves us anyways. In fact, he made a way to build a relationship with him by sending Jesus to live a sinless life and die a sinner's death on the cross. If you're here today and you've never begun that relationship, then in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer and you won't be embarrassed. We won't ask you to get out of your seat. But I want to challenge you, if you've never started that journey today before we leave, let 2017 start off right. Join me in this prayer silently in your own heart, but make it so real. Would you do me a favor? All heads bowed, all eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, just pray this with me today in your own heart. And if you're here and you've been wandering from God and flirting with your faith, and today's the day to come running back, would you also pray this prayer with me? I believe there's no greater way to start 2017 than saying yes to Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If that's you and you've never prayed this prayer, or today you need to pray it again for the first time in a long time, just in your own heart, repeat this after me to say, Dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me and you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect. I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.